0: Welcome to the All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. We are committed to being rooted in the scriptures and the historic Christian faith and to kingdom life in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you listen, may you be encouraged and empowered to know the Lord Jesus and make Him known. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. Today, I'm going to be leading us through Luke 4, and we're going to be looking at Christ came to bring the kingdom of God today. So you can turn Luke 4, we're going to read from 16 to 21, just a bit of context here. Luke 4. The context here before we read it, this is an incredible passage here, and the whole chapter, Luke 4, is about Jesus' relationship to the Holy Spirit. And In the first 13 verses, it's Jesus being tempted by Satan and relying on the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to counter the temptations. And then we've got here in this text, really beginning at verses 14 through 44, the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And I just want us to, we're going to drop right down in verses 16 to 21. And Jesus is going to be coming to Nazareth, his hometown. And in the synagogue, he's going to read from the scroll of Isaiah. This is at that day, it's about 1,000 people. It's a small town. And if you remember, People would say, does anything good come out of Nazareth? And the answer is yes. The Lord Jesus Christ was born in this humble town. And so as was his custom, he's going to come in and read this scroll. Why don't we just stand up in honor of these words of Jesus that he is drawing from Isaiah the prophet? Luke 4, 16 to 21. Lord, we thank you for your word. We want to read it and treasure it and obey it and learn from you. We pray in your name, Jesus. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written, The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You can take a seat. So as we look at this, I want us to just note here that Jesus unrolled a scroll. And friends, there were no paragraph divisions in this scroll. It was they liked to save papyrus. They liked to save the material on which they wrote. So, they would write from right to left in Hebrew, and there were no paragraph divisions. It all just flowed as one scroll of Isaiah. Sixty-six chapters for us, you can imagine. So, Jesus opens the scroll, and He goes right to the place where He's going to read. He knows the Word of God. He knows it. He has poured over these words. He has meditated on them as a young man. And it's fun to see him open the scroll, to open the Word just like we would, to read it as the very Word of God. He was familiar with this. And what he's going to say here is that, I am the one that Isaiah has described in this prophecy. I am the promised Messiah who is ushering in the kingdom of God into human history just as the Old Testament prophets predicted, he's going to say, this passage describes me, my mission, and the kingdom activity that I am about to initiate in my ministry. It is powerful. And so very quickly here, I want us to look at a handful of things about Jesus Christ, the Messiah who brought the kingdom of God. So we're looking at this in a Christ-centered way. This is all about Him, all about His person, all about his mission, his ministry, but along with that, I want you to keep this in mind, because we belong to Jesus, we share in the anointing. Let that sink in for a, a moment here. This text is about Jesus. He is the most anointed one who's ever lived, who will ever live, and when he came onto the scene and brought the kingdom with him, it changed human history. At the same time, he turns to his disciples and says, I share my anointing with you. So everything that's true about me and my ministry is true for you, of course, except for salvation. Christ shares his anointing with his church, with you. Amen? So the first thing is found there at the beginning of verse 18. Jesus is the spirit-anointed messenger. And in the Old Testament, The anointed ones were prophets, priests, and kings. And Jesus, in this moment, is saying, I am the prophet, I am the priest, I am the king. And friends, as you read the book of Isaiah, if you haven't done that lately, now's a good time. It's full of wonderful Advent passages. But God gave Isaiah the prophet about 750 years before Christ appeared on the scene. He gave him a series of visions And in those visions, he has a handful of them that are about the servant of the Lord. And these are found in chapter 42 and 49 and 50 and 52 and 53. The one that we're really familiar with that we read at Easter is Isaiah 53. We read that passage, don't we? It's about the servant of the Lord who would suffer and who would be pierced for our transgressions, who would bear our sins, and like a slaughtered lamb, He would sprinkle the nations with his blood. It's just a glorious vision that God gives to Isaiah. And so Jesus is drawing from that vision. Now, sometimes people misread this. He is the anointed one. And look there at verse 18. He's anointed to do what, church? What's it say? He's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And oftentimes people will misunderstand this. The Scriptures, when it speaks of the poor, it means this in a holistic fashion. It means the physically poor and the spiritually poor. And Luke is very careful in the whole gospel to show how Jesus goes out of His way time and time again to the poor, to those that are on the margins, to those that are left out, And so Jesus is saying here, it's about Him and His ministry. I'm anointed by the Father to take the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, to the poor, to the outsiders, to the marginalized. And that speaks to us today. And friends, there's lots of discussion about justice these days, isn't there? Well, let me tell you, this right here is a key text about biblical justice, and so we want to be people of justice. We want to be agents of justice, but we want to do it like Christ. We don't look for social justice that the culture gives us. We look for biblical justice that Jesus and His people model for us. Amen? And so we do. We want to follow Christ in His anointing and have a heart for justice as it's dictated and laid out in the Scriptures. We want to have a heart for the poor. I'm just sensing right now, I just want to linger with this for a moment. Why don't we, I, I just want to pray. I, Lord, I, I pray for us at All Saints. When there's so many messages about justice and the poor and what our mindset should be, I ask at All Saints that you would give us your true heart for the poor, that you would show us how to relate to the poor and the marginalized and the outsiders. We look to you, King Jesus, to show us that. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. A second thing that's found on the heels of that second part of verse 18, Jesus is the deliverer of captives, isn't he? And he says that the Father sent him. And that word sent is related to the word apostle. And so Jesus, we'll see this in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is the apostle who is sent by the Father. He's sent to proclaim what? Release to the captives. And friends, we could talk about this for half an hour. There are many captives around us today. Many, many. You're surrounded by captives. The world right now is like a giant prison. Prison. And most of the people that you're interacting with on your college campuses, at your workplace, they're captives. They are in prison to sin and to Satan and to the demonic. And so what Jesus is saying in this text here is that he is the deliverer. Friends, we are anointed by him to share in his anointing to set captives free. And He is the only one who can set captives free. He is the only one who can deliver people as they are bound in captivity to drugs of all kinds, to the love of money, to alcohol, to pornography, even to technology, to idolatry, to themselves, to the pursuit of fame, all of those things. Jesus is the one who enters in to a person's life and delivers them, and sets them free. Friends, maybe you're here today, maybe you're visiting, maybe you're here to see the baptism, maybe you are in fact in captivity right now. Maybe you need to encounter Jesus as the deliverer. And friends, I will tell you, no one else can deliver you. You can look to Buddhism, where there really is no God except you. You can look to Islam and Muhammad. You can look to New Age movements. You can look to paganism. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the only one who can set you free, who can deliver you from your captivity. Amen, church? Look at the third thing here related to that. Jesus is the deliverer of captives, but he's also the healer of the blind. That third part of verse 18 here. And again, just like we saw with the poor, this is understood in a holistic way. And so Christ, we see in the gospel of Luke, he opens physical eyes, doesn't he? He shows up, and people need their physical sight, and Jesus gives them physical sight. He opens their blind eyes, like he did that blind man on the road in Luke 18, No, that man was crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus says, be it done to you according to your faith. But friends, Jesus also opens the eyes of those who are spiritually blind. He speaks of spiritual blindness. He talks about this in John 9. He looks at some of the religious leaders and he says, you are blind spiritually you can't see me, you don't understand me, the king, you don't understand the kingdom, and you need your eyes opened. The Apostle Paul picks this up in 2 Corinthians 4, and he talks about spiritual blindness. And he says that the, Satan blinds people to the light of the gospel. They can't see the glory of God in the face of Jesus. And so again, I just want to ask you today, are you spiritually blind? Are there scales over your eyes that you need Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit to remove? He's the only one that can open blind eyes. Isn't that right, church? And we want to believe him for both of those things. We believe here at All Saints that Jesus can heal those who are physically blind, that he can restore sight, and we're going to be praying for blind people. We're going to be praying for all the various things that We believe with faith God can heal. Lord, we want to see blind eyes open. We also want to pray for people who are spiritually blind and lead them to Christ, who is the light of the world. And maybe today you need to do business with the Lord. You need to come to him because you're living in darkness. And you have scales over your eyes. And so I want to encourage you today, before you leave, we have ministry time at the end. You can come. And speak with someone and say, you know what? I'm blind. I'm spiritually blind. I need Jesus, the light of the world, to shine into my life. Don't leave today without doing that. A fourth thing here. It's in that very end of that verse 18. Jesus is the liberator of the oppressed. And then in verse 19, look at what it says Jesus does. A fifth thing. And these are closely related. They're entwined here. Jesus is the liberator of the oppressed, and He's the proclaimer of God's favor. And that word is grace. So, Jesus is the proclaimer of God's favor, the year of God's grace, the time of God's grace. And behind this, it's important to understand Jesus is drawing from an Old Testament picture. He's drawing from the whole year of Jubilee and Someone tell me, how often does the year of Jubilee happen according to the Hebrew Scriptures, Leviticus 25? How often? It's every, every 50 years, right? And so it's seven sevens, right? And there were certain elements the day of Jubilee, the year of Jubilee would happen every seven years, but there was a 50th year when all of it would happen. Slaves were set free, debts were canceled, The land is given rest and returned to its original owner. Beautiful image here. And what Jesus is saying is that I am the Jubilee. All of those things that were declared by the prophets, I embody them. I am not only the Passover, but I am the year of Jubilee, the year of God's favor, the year of rest. And Jesus fulfills all of these things. And to give you a little sneak peek, Brandon Pemberton is going to be talking in a couple weeks about how Christ fulfills the law and the prophets. We're touching on that a little bit. So Jesus is saying the year of the Lord's favor has arrived. I am here. I am initiating the kingdom of God. And I am announcing the time of Jubilee. It is here. The oppressed can be liberated. Those who are under the crushing debt of sin can be set free. It is a new day in Christ. Friends, that's what we're celebrating today. This is why it's an Advent passage. Christ appeared and Christ changed history, and that's why we're sitting here. Now, you'll notice if you go back and read Isaiah 61, which is what Jesus is drawing from, he leaves out the second part of that phrase there. Jesus only speaks about proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor because that is what his first coming is all about, the year of God's favor, the grace of God being extended to human beings in a way that it had never been extended. He was the fulfillment of all the promises of God's grace. But friends, his second coming will be about the second part the day of vengeance. And we're singing about that as his church, as his beloved. We're getting ready. We want to meet him face to face. He loves us. We're his bride. We're his people. And it's wonderful. It's a time of joyous celebration. But we have to pay attention to what the whole scripture teaches. And Isaiah 61 teaches, and the whole book of Revelation teaches that Christ will come back And it will be a day of vengeance. And it should engender in our hearts the fear of the Lord. Now, you know, you hear from me, you hear from other preachers, you hear from just the community itself. We are all about the love of God in Christ Jesus. We say it every week, don't we? the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, but we are also careful to listen to the whole counsel of Scripture, right? Even when it's difficult, even when it cuts against the grain of what culture says. Culture doesn't want to hear anything about judgment or vengeance or discipline or accountability, but we don't care because we want to be faithful to the Word of God. And so Jesus is showing us here we need both of those notes. We need for people to hear now is the time of God's favor, but the time of God's vengeance and judgment will come when Christ comes. And he's not setting up a democracy in that day. He's not taking votes. Read Revelation 19. He shows up as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And on that day, you're either with him or you're not. And I heard an old preacher, I was listening to an old preacher teach on this this week, and he was talking about a story of a couple of hippies that he had heard. And these two hippies worked in a shipyard on the West Coast. And these two hippies were talking to some of the guys that they worked with about how Jesus had entered their life And how Jesus had brought the year of the Lord's favor to their lives. And they were talking to this guy. And this dude mocked them. And he said, I don't want to hear anything about this. You guys are nuts. You're crazy. And the guy went on to actually blaspheme Christ. And begin to curse Christ. And so they went on in their day. And after lunch, that same dude came back. To these two young fiery hippies in the shipyard, and he was trembling under the fear of the Lord and under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, I am not sure what's going on. And they said, The Holy Spirit's at work in you, friend. And he said, I take back everything that I said to you. I want to hear more about Jesus. I want to hear more about the gospel and God's favor. I want to give my life to Christ. So friends, he knew that he was not right with God. And these guys went on to actually talk to him about the the time of Noah and the the days of Noah. And they were encouraging him to get on the ark while they could. And they were telling him, brother, the door is open. Now is the time of God's favor, but the day is coming when that door closes and the nations will be judged and held accountable. I know it's a sobering word, but that young man ended up becoming a Christian and giving his life to Christ and experiencing the time, the favor, the grace of God. Why don't we stand, church? You hear the heart of this message, right? Jesus is the spirit anointed messenger He's the deliverer of captives. He's the healer of the blind. He's the liberator of the oppressed. He's the proclaimer of God's favor. And he turns to his church and says, I want you to share in all of those things. He breathes his spirit onto his church, onto his disciples. At the end of John, and then in Acts 2, he shares his spirit. And he's basically saying, go and continue my mission. Extend my mission to the nations of the earth. And so we share in this work. He's unique. He does it in a way that only he can do it, but he turns to us and he anoints us to do this. So, Lord, we receive your anointing today. We pray for the power, the anointing, the courage the boldness of the Holy Spirit for our local church, Lord. That you would anoint us afresh, even in Advent, Lord. You would fill us with your Spirit and that we would go and follow you as the Spirit-anointed messenger of the kingdom of God. Anoint us today, Lord. Let this be a time of empowerment. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to ask a ministry team to come up As we do every Sunday, we want to have space for Jesus, the anointed one, and for us as his anointed followers to to pray. So I want to encourage you, if you're sick today, you have anything that needs to be addressed physically, that you will come up and receive prayer. The Lord's been with us today. His presence is here to heal and to touch and to bring breakthrough. Maybe you're one of the people that I mentioned Maybe you are oppressed. Maybe you're spiritually blind. Maybe you're ready to get on the ark with God's people today and experience the time of God's favor. So I want to encourage you to come up. Don't don't leave today without getting right with God. Amen? Don't leave today. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I haven't been around these things. I haven't been around the Lord in a long time. The Lord's talking to you. Get right with God today. Now is the day of salvation. Call out to the Lord Jesus. Receive His grace. Receive the love of the Father today. He's calling you. And then we're also going to celebrate communion over here on my right, your left. You know we're getting more and more familiar with that. We celebrate communion with intinction. We take the bread, we dip it in the cup, or there's cups there that you can use a smaller cup. And you can pray as you're lining up there on either side as you celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus through communion. So we're going to linger in the Lord's presence. What a fun day, huh? What a joyful day in the Lord's presence. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Let's spend some more time in the Lord's presence, all right?